I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. Mark Daly here, welcoming you to the show this week and Happy New Year. Yes, we are into a new year, new decade obviously, and well, New Year's was a couple of days ago, but hey, this is just a weekly show, so I'm trying to catch up as best I can. Anyways, by the time most of you get this, it is January 3rd, so that means we are now some 68 days away from the very first practice session, official practice session, that is, at the Australian Grand Prix at Melbourne on March the 12th, I believe it is. So yeah, it's still a ways off, but uh, look at it a little bit uh, positive, I guess. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know what's positive about it, but at least in the meantime, uh, things are slowly but surely going to uh, start uh, to get rolling here. There's been some Formula One news that's been rolling in over the past week or so over the holiday season, and it won't be too long before the official uh, car launches uh, start to get going. And then uh, before you know it, we will be into winter testing in just over a month month's time, usually about the middle of February is when they all head off to uh, Barcelona for the first of uh, a couple of uh, winter test sessions. So that'll be uh, interesting to see how it goes this year. Of course, uh, there's a lot of questions everybody's going to be uh, asking and uh, want to keep an eye on, especially how Ferrari comes out. Um, you know, they've really been working at their new car really hard and uh, diligently over the past uh, several months. So it'll be uh, one, one to watch and see whether or not they can get that turned around, of course. And another thing of uh, another question I think we all have in mind is uh, will Williams show up on time this year? Because if you don't, uh, if you remember going back almost a year ago, they were a couple of days late, which was very, very costly for them. Anyways, of course, there are many, many uh, things we're going to be keeping an eye on over the following weeks and months. And well, I'm going to be jumping around a little bit here because like I say, I mean, there has been a, a fair amount of news over the past uh, week or so. Uh, since the, the the last show that uh, that came out uh, just uh, over the Christmas period there, but the news news has been trickling in slowly but surely. So if I kind of cover a, a little bit of uh, ground that's maybe we've talked about uh, before in some previous episodes, well then that's uh, that's okay because hey, <laughs> it is the off season and whatever we could talk about Formula One, it's a it's a good thing. But the big piece of news that uh, that came out in my mind, anyways, was uh, just before uh, Christmas Day, and uh, that came out on December twenty third, and that 
that was the announcement that Charles Leclerc and Ferrari have announced a multi-year agreement uh, between the two of them. So, I mean, 2019 was a fantastic year for Charles, obviously a second year in Formula One, debut year for Ferrari. But uh, they have now announced a contract, a contract extension that will take Charles to the end of 2024. And I think that's um, absolutely fantastic. He's uh, obviously a superstar in the making. He's uh, proved it uh, several times over the past year. And uh, honestly, I think if you go back as far as his rookie season in 2018 with uh, Sauber Alfa Romeo, as it was at the time, I think he's uh, really demonstrated that this guy has uh, everything that it uh, that, that he needs to be a legit superstar in uh, in Formula One. So really hope uh, that we can see uh, Charles go from strength uh, to strength over not just uh, this year, but uh, the next several years as he continues to grow and uh, mature in Formula One. And I'm really looking forward to, to seeing what uh, what this guy uh, can do. Uh, hopefully that... Uh, you know, if you're a fan of Charles Leclerc, that uh, Ferrari themselves uh, will uh, will deliver a good car that uh, can really help him challenge for a uh, for a Formula One World Championship. I mean, he's proven he's quick enough, and uh, he's obviously quicker than Sebastian Vettel that we've seen uh, quite a few times uh, this past uh, season. And uh, whether or not that is good enough to to fight it out with the likes of uh, Lewis Hamilton and and Valtteri Bottas at uh, Mercedes. Well, that remains to be seen, but I mean, he's uh, certainly proved over the past year uh, with uh, Ferrari that uh, that he is more than capable of uh, doing it on uh, on uh, any given day. Anyways, uh, Charles had to say, quote, I am very happy to be staying on with uh, Scuderia Ferrari this past season, driving for the most illustrious team in Formula One. It has been a dream year for me. I cannot wait to enjoy an even deeper relationship with the team after what has been an intense and exciting 2019. I'm keen to see what the future holds and I can't wait to get going again next uh, season and like I say I mean he really did have a, a fantastic and exciting year and it was uh, too bad that uh, that first victory was a, a little bit elusive for Charles I mean he really should have won in uh, in Bahrain and uh, well he really showed right off at the beginning that uh, that that team orders I think if he's got uh, some some doubts as to whether or not uh, they're they're well maybe legit in his own mind uh, that uh, or if he had a good shot at winning a race he was uh, ready to maybe I wouldn't say thumb his nose at the team but I think uh, he was uh, willing to to go out on a on a limb a little bit I mean uh, at that race in Bahrain uh, regardless what happened at the end of the race with the the mechanical problems that he had I mean he was told to to stick behind Sebastian Vettel but I mean he was he was much quicker on the time and. Uh, he just uh, flew right by uh, Sebastian. He really should have won it. It was a real crying shame that uh, they had those engine problems at the end of the race, but he was uh, somewhat uh, fortunate that he was able to hang on to a, on, onto a podium after the, uh, the the two Renaults simultaneously retired from the race, which was completely bizarre. I think uh, I've uh, said that several times over the past season, but I don't ever recall seeing two cars from the same team literally expiring and retiring from the the, the race almost at the exact same instant. It was just, uh, yeah, it, w- it was very, very strange. Anyways, uh, I mean, Charles uh, went on to uh, finish fourth in the World Championship in 2019, 24 points ahead of uh, Sebastian Vettel, which is... Uh, quite a big achievement in my mind. I mean, Sebastian had a bit of a tough year, but I mean, uh, he did uh, he did have some results. I think his second half of uh, Vettel's year was better than uh, the, the first half. 
maybe Monza might be one that he's going to want to throw out of that uh, that that sample. But I mean, anytime uh, that that you finish ahead of your 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 teammate, I think that's uh, going to be a good thing, especially when your teammate is a guy like Sebastian Vettel, who's a four time world champion, and uh, yeah, exciting stuff from Charles. Uh, really looking forward to see what uh, what what he can do. Anyways, uh, Mattia Pinato, team principal at uh, Ferrari, uh, had to say about the extension of uh, Charles Leclerc. Quote: With each passing race. This year, our wish to extend contract uh, with Charles became ever more self-evident, and the decision means he will now be with us for the next five seasons. It demonstrates that Charles and the Scuderia have a firm future together. Charles has been part of our family since 2016, and we are more than proud of the results we are achieving with our academy. We are therefore very pleased to announce that he will be with us for many more years to come, and I'm sure that together we will write many new pages of history of the prancing horse. And, uh, well... (laughs) Hard to argue with that. Uh, should be exciting uh, to watch over the next uh, couple of years. Anyway, so Charles, uh, he did go on to say that he learned a lot from Sebastian Vettel in his, uh, quote, uh, dream debut season uh, with uh, Ferrari. And uh, this is what he had to, to say, quote, I'm extremely happy about this year. I've used, uh, I've learned a huge amount thanks to Seb. Uh, yeah, it's been a great year for me, a realization of a tre- dream since childhood. I've always dreamed to be in Formula One, but especially with Ferrari. To be now with this team is unbelievable, and now it's up to me to work to get better and hopefully give them the success that they deserve. At the beginning of the season, if you had told me I would have had seven poles and ten podiums, I wouldn't have believed it. It's definitely better than what I expected, but looking back, there were quite a lot of mistakes, so target is to understand them. But yes, I am satisfied with the first season, and it has not been an easy season. In the first part, we we were struggling, but I think we have worked well and improved in the second half of the season. I had two incredible wins at Monza, was all of my dreams. To be on top of that podium with hundreds of thousands of Ferrari fans below, these experiences, I will never forget them. So it is uh, interesting that uh, in there he does uh, throw out uh, you know, a bit of praise to, to Sebastian Vettel. Uh, I mean, obviously that they, they've had uh, their moments, some of their conflicts uh, during that year. I mean, the, the big one, of course, was uh, the coming together that they had when they were scrapping for position at uh, Brazil a couple of races uh, before the end of the season, when uh, they were dicing in the first uh, was well, it was the first half of the the, the track after the with the Curva del Sol, and uh, Seb uh, tried to pass Charles again, came across and uh, cut him off you know that that was I, I think the low point I mean you never want to have a, a, an accident and especially have an accident with your your teammate and it's bad enough if you do that but then have to one or both of the cars uh, retire as it was that case was uh, it was uh, I think I don't want to say it defined Ferrari's uh, season. I, I think that would be a little bit uh, unfair because, I mean, there were some positive things uh, for them, but I think it kind of summed it up a, a little bit. I think it was a a season that, that, that obviously was disappointing uh, for them. Uh, they, they were they were touted to be so much faster than everyone else. I mean, they were a second and a half uh, faster than uh, Mercedes in winter testing. And I mean, Lewis Hamilton talked about it uh, not so long ago, just how it was uh, difficult uh, for them just to get started. And it really took a while for them to really get the, the, the car working and get into that, uh, that real find the sweet spot as it were to get the, the, the car operating uh, properly. And in the meantime, it really, I, I think uh, gave everybody the impression and I think Ferrari, as well that they were the the the, the fastest uh, team out there i mean uh, when, when you're second and a half or second faster in, in winter's testing i mean it really boded well that uh, going into the season that, uh, that that they might have the advantage but when we got to uh, Austra- 
Australia. I mean, it was uh, completely the opposite story. I mean, they were the third fastest car on the day. I mean, it was unfortunate uh, for Red Bull. I mean, um, Pierre, Pierre Gasly was. Well, we're going to talk about Red Bull in a bit, but Gasly wasn't uh, was wasn't really ever able to really get into the swing of things. But you had uh, Valtteri Bottas and uh, and Lewis Hamilton racing off down the track, as we've seen over the the past many years with the uh, Mercedes and the Turbo Hybrid era, and then you had Max Verstappen in the uh, the the debut race for Honda and Red Bull together. I mean, he was quite a ways off. I mean, he wasn't going to win that race, but I mean, the point was that uh, he was at arm's length, if uh, not a little bit further down the track than the the, the two Ferraris. And uh, Sebastian Vettel only finished fourth in that race because of the team orders that uh, were issued. And um, uh, Charles Leclerc in his debut race uh, for Ferrari really was patient and uh, and obedient and hanging back uh, in, in in where he was to finish fifth. But the point is that uh, that Ferrari's uh, their uh, performance or their the, the the numbers and the lap times they're putting in in the off season uh, just uh, were not uh, you know realized w- when it came down to it and um, you know just going back to what I was saying about uh, Charles Leclerc and uh, and Sebastian Vettel I mean it is interesting that uh, that, that he does uh, say that uh, about them uh, considering the, the the problems that uh, that they've had but I mean if you're a young guy like Charles only a couple of years into your Formula One uh, career and you're you're partnered up with a guy like uh, Sebastian Vettel I I mean, uh, Vettel, I mean, it seems around like he's been around forever. I mean, it's been a number of years since he's uh, won a world championship, but four times a world champion. I mean, that's that's impressive. Uh, you know, I mean, to win one uh, Formula One world championship is a feat in and of itself. But uh, to win, uh, you know, multiple world championships uh, like uh, Sebastian Vettel or Lewis Hamilton, Michael Schumacher, Ayrton Senna, all those guys. I mean, that really is a, a fantastic, uh, fantastic achievement. So you can imagine if you're a young guy like uh, Charles, I mean, as uh, eager and, uh, you know, as, uh, you know, enthusiastic as you are to get out there and start winning races and win a championship for yourself. I mean, you got to think too that, uh, that that's a great position for a young guy to be in, uh, being a, a teammate with uh, such a, a good uh, driver like uh, Sebastian Vettel. I mean, you would have to think that uh, he'd be lapping it up. And uh, I know that they had their moments uh, between them, but uh, I think it is a, a partnership that uh, I, I think that it does have its, uh, its merits. And I think that if they can uh, sort it out and they obviously would have had a, a big discussion uh, after the Brazil. I mean, uh, Matteo Bonato said that they did, although they weren't going to really divulge uh, what the discussions were about. I mean, they talked to them as a pair and then talked to each of the drivers individually. And I think that is the right way to uh, conduct uh, business. I mean, uh, sorted out uh, behind closed doors. I mean, once it gets out into the media, it gets out into the public and then, you know, it's just... Eve, it just has the potential to go wrong. I mean, uh, the the thing is when uh, you see... Excuse me. I think things are so easily taken out of context if it's uh, written down or if it's a social media post or whatever. I mean, if it, you're, you're not there at the actual time that it's happening, I mean, it can be taken uh, in the wrong way, and uh, and you don't really like the way that I see it. I just don't see it as a, a really um, constructive way to, um, to to carry out uh, business in the in the media in such a way anyways time for a quick break and on the other side we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, Charles Leclerc and uh, Ferrari because Charles is really eager to get going and uh, he said he's interested in the challenge of developing the, the car for 2020 so don't go away we'll be back in just a moment passion drive and patience the formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive 
eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, welcome back to Scuderia F1, the podcast always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. Anyways, as we were talking about uh, before the break here, we've been uh, talking about uh, Ferrari for a little bit. Uh, Charles Leclerc said he's um, relishing what he calls the interesting challenge of developing Ferrari's 2020 World Championship uh, contender. So this will be Charles's third year in Formula One, and uh, obviously he's uh, very eager to get uh, going. I mean, he's gone up through the uh, through the ranks uh, pretty quick in uh, single-seat uh, racing. I mean, he started off in uh, 2014 with Formula Renault 2.0 through F3, GP3, Formula 2, and then finally Formula 1 back in uh, 20, uh, 2018. And I mean, it seems like he's uh, really switched uh, teams all the time. He went from um, uh, Sauber to uh, uh, Ferrari, but, you know, and then, uh, of course, in, uh, in the junior ranks as well. But I mean, it, it's all been positive steps uh, forward. And of course, being a member of the Ferrari Academy has uh, had its benefits and, uh, you know, being you know, the, the talent that he is, they've obviously helped uh, guide his uh, career and get him in the right uh, seat at the right time. Anyway, so, I mean, he did, uh, as, as I say, had a very impressive uh, season last year to, to debut with uh, Ferrari. And uh, Charles uh, did say that uh, that he is uh, very uh, much looking forward to uh, stay with the team for the next uh, number of years, 2024, and uh, also having the the opportunity to put into uh, his input into the development and the design of the car for, for 2020. And Charles had this to say, quote, it's the first time in my single-seater career where I stay with the same team from one year to another, which is also should be an interesting challenge to develop the car. Overall, we uh, progressed quite a lot in 2019, which I think is most important, and now I'm really looking forward to keeping this momentum for next year. So that, it is interesting that uh, that, that he is uh, very eager to get uh, get his input uh, into it, and why not, right? Um, I, I think if you're the uh, a driver, if you're a good driver, you're uh, really engage with the team you're going to want to uh, interact with the the engineers and the designers and make sure that the, that the car that they're de- uh, designing for you really um, really meets the expectations and, and and does what it needs to do I, I mean otherwise if they just design a car that isn't uh, suited to the drivers and of course that's not going to go anywhere uh, no pun intended anyways Charles went on to say quote 
It's been a bit of a weird season. We started off definitely not where we thought we would uh, start after winter testing. Winter testing was very positive, and then we arrived at the first race, and we have been struggling quite a lot. But then after that, I think the progression was very good. Austin had, uh, has been a little weird too. We still don't really understand why we're so off the pace. But overall, I think it has been a positive season. Apart from the first race in Melbourne, that has been very negative. And, well, I don't know. I I mean, I, I think that uh, Charles is uh, being uh, fairly positive about it. But it's... Uh, a positive season? No, that's kind of tough. I mean, I, I think uh, from his perspective, it would be a, a positive season. But uh, from Ferrari's perspective, they really didn't get uh, the, the, the car figured out uh, enough or, or soon enough to, to really be a contender. Because by the time that they uh, were really in the position to win races and and, and really challenge for them. I mean, the, the, the first time that there was a signal of anything really coming was uh, by the time that they got to, to, to Montreal. And that five-second uh, penalty for Sebastian Vettel that uh, notwithstanding I mean that race uh, that day really was between Seb and 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 Lewis Hamilton and and, and Charles was a little ways back but uh <clears throat> Excuse me. That was the first time that uh, Ferrari uh, looked like uh, there, there might be something in the car for last year. But by that time, I mean uh, Ferrari had been racking up the sorry uh, Mercedes, pardon me, had been racking up the the, the wins and the uh, the, the podiums uh, faster than anyone else. And by the time that uh, that Red Bull and uh, and Ferrari found their feet underneath them, it was just uh, it was too much. I mean, their lead in the championship, both in the uh, drivers and the constructors, was uh, just unassailable uh, by that. Point point. And, uh, I mean, it really was a question of, uh, when and not if, uh, Lewis Hamilton and, uh, Mercedes were going to re- repeat as uh, champions, uh, again. Anyway, so just, uh, going back and uh, sticking with this theme of, uh, Ferrari. And I just, uh, I guess it's a bit of a nice uh, segue there. Just, uh, mentioning Lewis, uh, because I'm going back a couple of weeks here because we talked about this, uh, before Christmas and uh, th- this has been floating around this, uh, rumor of, uh, and stories about, uh, Lewis uh, Hamilton meeting with, um, the Ferrari C. CEO, uh, Louis uh, Camilleri. And, uh, well, I mean, this, uh, this is going back about three weeks. Uh, so I apologize. It is a little bit uh, stale, but it, it was in the, in the, in the news there for a while. And Lewis had a couple of things uh, to say about it. And, uh, Bonato had a couple things to say about it as well. But, uh, anyways, um, <laughs> this is kind of, uh, interesting because, um, oh, sorry, I, I was uh, mistaken here. So the meeting wasn't uh, between, uh, Louis uh, Camilleri and, uh, it was actually between, um, uh, Louis Hamilton and Ferrari's chairman, John uh, Elkin. Anyways, Camilleri uh, said that uh, the, the meeting was at a social event and it's been, uh, what he said, quote, uh, being blown somewhat uh, out of uh, proportion because, of course, after next year, all these guys in the top teams, except for Charles Leclerc, are all out of contract. So Lewis is out of contract. Sebastian Vettel's out of contract. Bottas is out of contract. So And, and Max Verstappen, let's uh, not forget about uh, uh, Max. But uh, it, it is, uh, it's going to be... You know, I mean, is it possible? Sure, I guess any everything is possible. Uh, I I think that uh, by by the time it's all said and done, I just have a feeling that it's just going to end up uh, the 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 same. I mean, uh, w- once one of these, uh, once one more of these guys uh, decides where he's going to go for for twenty twenty one, is basically I think going to lock it down, and uh, I I just. 
I just find it kind of difficult to, to see Lewis moving on to Ferrari at this point. I mean, uh, I, I guess there is that opportunity that, uh, or the, that, that possibility that say he, uh, he wins the championship this year, he equals uh, Schumacher's um, total of seven world championships. And then he thinks, well, who knows? Well, well, maybe it would be, uh, uh, you know, I'd like to win one more and why not try and do that at uh, Ferrari and become the, the, the winningest uh, world champion of all times and then beat the, you know, the guy that, uh, that set the record previously previous who uh, and Schumacher of course uh, was uh, did that at uh, Ferrari so I mean th- there is that kind of tie in there but uh, I, I mean what uh, Lewis has achieved with uh, Mercedes and even back at uh, McLaren when uh, when they had Mercedes power I mean there, there's a lot of history there so I mean it uh, I would just kind of find it kind of difficult to, to see him move on and uh, I, I think uh, also when it comes to Ferrari I think that the pairing of uh, Vettel and, uh, and and Charles Leclerc is a good one as long as they can get that uh, that sorted out uh, you know just um, the, the the pecking order or set some ground rules as to uh, what uh, what what can and cannot go obviously what happened in Brazil uh, towards the end of last season uh, is the uh, an example of what not to do uh, as uh, as teammates but I think that they can work well together and uh, I, I find I, I sort of waver back and forth that some sometimes I think oh there's no way Sebastian Vettel will be back at uh, Ferrari in 2021 but I think the, the the big question is if uh, he was to leave, who would they replace him with? I mean, there was also a rumor that uh, I haven't seen it now, but there was something about uh, some link uh, of a Sebastian Vettel to McLaren, and that is kind of an interesting one. And I, I could uh, potentially see a uh, you know a Sebastian Vettel moving to McLaren. I mean, it's a team that's got a lot of money. It's a, a team that's uh, on the up again, and uh, having a guy like uh, Vettel with his experience and his record in Formula One. That, that uh, potentially, I think, is a very interesting uh, possibility. Anyways, uh, just going back to uh, Leclerc and uh, and Vettel in 2021, I can see that happening, but I don't think, and uh, this is obviously, I don't think uh, a, a big shock to anybody that's uh, listening to this show or is, uh, follows Formula One, but uh, I, I don't think that uh, Sebastian Vettel could expect to come back in 2021 and expect uh, number one status and uh, maybe command a, a huge of a salary. I mean, he's, he said that he's uh, still committed to the, the the project or the commitment that uh, committed to the commitment. <laughs> there we go. That's a bit confusing. Anyways, he's still committed to uh, winning a world championship at uh, Ferrari, and uh, of course, uh, you know, he. I wouldn't expect Sebastian Vettel to say uh, otherwise, but uh, I, I just don't think that, uh, that that he could come back and maybe command or, or expect as uh, big a dollars as uh, as uh, you know maybe that he's uh, getting right now. I mean, who, who's to say? I mean, uh, a lot of this stuff really isn't out there. In, in, in the public. I'm just kind of going from, you know, maybe looking at uh, different situations, maybe different sports, you know, just, uh, you know, when you got a guy that's a, a veteran uh, athlete that's been around, has uh, won a lot, but uh, is maybe... And I don't really want to say that Sebastian's on the uh, like the, the downhill side of his career. I mean, he's still pretty young. I still think he's got a lot left in him. I still think he's got a lot left to offer Formula One. But I, I think maybe that... Uh, Maybe more accurately, I think maybe the opportunity to win a, uh, a championship at, uh, with Ferrari may be, uh, I don't want to say that window is closed, but it doesn't seem like such of a sure thing. But again, last year was a tough year for them. I mean, he went through personally a very rough year at the end of uh, 2018, all the way through uh, 2019 up until, uh, say, Singapore. I think that he finished better on the year than uh, maybe the first two thirds of it. Uh, Monza, maybe notwithstanding, but who knows? I mean, um, he 
I mean, you don't get to, to where you are in in a sport like Formula One if uh, you don't have what it takes. I mean, both uh, physically and mentally. And I I think uh, Sebastian Vettel is uh you know he has uh, you know the stuff between the years. You know the the mental fortitude to, to get it done. So he might uh you know uh, prove us uh, prove us wrong. Anyways, uh, I'm sort of rambling here a little bit, but uh, hey, that's okay. There's a uh, got to find uh, some things uh, to talk about, but it's all good. Anyways, uh, moving on from the, the the big teams, let's talk now move down the grid a little bit and uh, Renault has said uh, that they are not going to be content with uh, what they call uh, midfield uh, supremacy and uh, so th- this comes from the, uh, the the lips of Renault boss Cyril Bitabul and uh, he says uh, they want to be a bigger threat to the top teams and uh, well that is uh, I think it's a it's a worthy goal to have but uh, Renault I think uh, they, they've got to do some serious soul searching after the year that they had last year uh, they were they were off the pace they were not as good as uh, a lot of the teams uh, around them and uh, more specifically I mean they weren't uh, even able to to match uh, McLaren who I think had a very solid and a very very impressive uh, season which uh, you know I, I think is well deserved and a long time coming uh, for them after many many years in the, in the wilderness and the deep dark days of the the, the Honda partnership of uh, several years ago but the, the the thing is when you know you're you're Renault and you're being outperformed by uh, uh, your your customer team and and McLaren. I mean, they want to be getting podiums as well, and they have a long ways uh, to go to catch uh, the likes of uh, Ferrari, uh, Mercedes, and uh, and Renault. I mean, the, obviously uh, Mercedes is uh, in a class of their own, but I mean, uh, just uh, I mean, we, we obviously see Ferrari and uh, and and Red Bull win uh, races uh, throughout the year as well, and uh, it, it's usually the podiums, unless it's something completely bizarre, say Hockenheim last year when you get uh, rain or safety cars really messing up uh, the 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 uh, you know the the normal order of things you can really just expect i mean it's going to be ferrari mercedes and red bull or one you know variation of that or another so Renault really have a lot a lot of work to do i mean uh, before they can really think about uh, you know challenging for podiums i mean they got to be uh, be able to compete with and beat uh, a, a team like uh, mclaren so i mean uh, a beatable uh, i mean it's a, it's a worthy comment he had to say quote on a ramp up and uh, he was uh, referring to the season finale at Abu Dhabi so he f- uh, obviously feels that they that they finished the season on a, on a positive note but that's one se- that's one race in a season that was very disappointing for them and I still maintain that uh, over the past couple of years although they did improve after they took over Lotus and there was incremental and positive uh, movement and uh, and and uh, what do you want to say? Uh, well, I mean, obviously they're improving, but they sort of tailed off over the past year and a half. And, and 2019, I think, was a very disappointing year for them. Anyways, when uh, referring to 2021 and the uh, you know the the new uh, regulations and everything, he reckons that possibly that they could be uh, taking on the top three uh, teams at that point. He had to say, "quote That will be the next difficulty and still the target for us. It's a target for 2021. Everything in our program has been built around that long term." target of 2021 because in accordance to our strategy that's really the first opportunity to make it happen but before 2021 there is 20 and there's a short-term result and a short-term pressure that everyone is putting on all of us and that's fine that's part of the sport so that i mean that i think is a a fair point that uh, everybody is kind of looking at uh, 2021 Uh, it's going to be a completely new ball game i mean the regulations the cars everything's going to be completely new so everybody's kind of uh, starting from scratch 
So maybe that like uh, a beatable is uh, saying that they see this as a real opportunity to um, make their mark and and maybe get away from this. Um, if you want to call this the turbo hybrid era 1.0, that uh, 2021 is going to be the turbo hybrid uh, era 2.0, and that's where they see the opportunities to uh, to make improvements uh, in uh, that era, uh, this new era coming up, and uh, be more of a threat than to uh, to the bigger teams. And that seems like a a reasonable thing to me. I mean, whether or not they can get that done, that will uh, only time will tell. Anyways, Danny Ricardo has uh, said that uh, podiums are the goal in 2020. So <laughs> I think this is a quite a, a bold uh, statement or wish or goal, whatever you want to call it, for Danny Ricken in, in 2020, considering the difficult uh, season the, that they had. I mean, it. Uh, uh, he does go on to say that uh, in this interview that he says it's a, a stretch, but it was a tough season for him in, in, in 2019. I mean, he really took a big gamble to walk away from uh, from Red Bull and to go uh, to, to Renault. But again, I mean, I, I can see why he did. Uh, you just know that uh, being in the same team as uh, Max Verstappen, that whether or not they were going to come out and uh, say that, he, that Max was going to be the number one driver or not, just Danny Ricardo being in that team probably saw enough realizing no matter what he did, that uh, that Max was a superstar, or that he was going to be the focus of the team, regardless if they had a, a publicly named uh, number one. I mean, you could see then the, the opportunity going to Renault, and uh, you know what what Danny Ricardo had done in Formula One to that point, within the you know the several wins that he had, and I mean it was a, a consistent guy to get on a podium uh, throughout a, a season. That it would be a, an opportunity to go to a team like Renault and be the number one guy there, and uh, so I can see from that. Point point of uh, view why that uh, that he uh, did it but uh, anyways um, after um, uh, taking two wins with Red Bull in 2018 he had two poles that year Ricardo's ninth place finish uh, in the standings in uh, last year's Drivers uh, World Championship was a real big drop in the results but he still feels that there were some positives to take uh, from this and uh, Danny Rick had to go on uh, to say quote this season hasn't been for whatever reason it is not being disheartening I think we can get uh, this go for next year where we can still achieve in 2020 we're on track to reach some podiums next year yeah it's a stretch but i do believe that if we can uh, do what we believe we can it's still there the season hasn't taken any wind out of our sails and it's just a bit more fuel for the fire and that's uh, he's referring to the last uh, race of the year in abu dhabi anyways uh yeah I, it is, I think, uh, reasonable uh, for him to uh, to uh, to set those goals. I mean, you don't show up to to Formula One just to, you know, not really achieve anything. And for what what he achieved at uh, Red Bull before, that you would have to think that uh, he's aiming something uh, uh, similar. But they do have their work cut out for them at, uh, at Renault. Anyways, uh, time for another break. We'll be back in just a moment here on the Overtime Media Network. Please don't go away. We'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
All right, welcome back to the show. So anyways, we're going to do kind of a lateral move here. We were just talking about da- Danny Ricardo and Renault, and now we're going to talk uh, about his old team, and uh, that is Red Bull Racing. So Honda said hitting car- targets is the key to building trust with uh, Red Bull, and they, I think, had a very, very good debut season together, Honda and Re- and Red Bull, and there there seems to be a lot more synergy, a lot more cooperation uh, between the teams, and for the first time in a long time, we did didn't have uh, Christian Horner uh, saying several times uh, throughout the year or being critical, I think, uh, is more to the point, being critical of his engine supplier, as uh, has been the case uh, previous, uh, you know, with all the years, you know, from 2014 right up to 2018, well, halfway through 2018 anyways, when they announced that they're going to be moving to Honda, um, you know. Uh, sorry, Christian Horner did have uh, plenty of negative or maybe not the the, the nicest or best uh, things to to say about uh, Renault over the time. I mean, he was uh, quite open and and, and quite uh, to the point about it. Uh, how he was uh, disappointed and frustrated in the lack of power and how far uh, Renault was behind, uh, say, from Mercedes and uh, Ferrari during that uh, that that period. But you know they they were still able to, through time to to get some wins here and there throughout uh, years uh, the, the years and uh, and podiums as well but uh, considering what uh, they were able to do previous uh, to the turbo hybrid era you can understand why they were not content uh, to be i wouldn't say out of the top uh, out of the running i mean because I mean, they're still one of the top teams in Formula One. But I mean, if you kind of look at the uh, the pyramid of things, you have uh, Mercedes at the top and number one, and then you could uh, say that uh, Ferrari and uh, and Red Bull maybe two and two B. You know, <laughs> you know, I, I think that uh, this past year they are very very even uh, between the the, the 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 two of them, and uh, whereas uh, Ferrari struggled, um, um, Red Bull were able to. Uh, really, I think uh, step their game up and uh, and take some advantages uh, here and there, and uh, Max winning the uh, three races and uh, and I think really doing a solid job uh, in there that first year with Honda really was I think uh, I, I think a very good result uh, for them because I mean it was a bit of a gamble for them to switch from Red uh, from uh, Renault to Honda Power, but the benefits that they had, of course, was that in 2018 they had the the Honda engines in the Toro Rosso, so that being their junior team they had the the opportunity to evaluate both engines uh one for one i mean they had the honda power in their in their junior team and the renault power in their own team and i think that really was a a case of try before you buy i mean uh, just looking at paper or on paper just looking at the situation why would anybody want to go with honda after the horrible time and the uh, the turbulent uh, relationship that they had with the mclaren over the past uh, several reasons or seasons but you know all credit to uh renault uh sorry well credit to them too i mean uh, they're putting a lot of money into what they're doing and um you know this is a bit of an unintended uh, tangent but i mean mclaren are proving that uh, with a good chassis that um that you can do decent things with the renault power unit so you can see why there's frustration there anyways uh what i did mean to say was that um you you can see that uh I think that uh, with uh, Renault and Honda that it was a very good season for them because they did say that they wanted to deliver or keep Red Bull on a, the, the same level as they were the year before in 2018 with uh, with Renault. And I think by and large that they they uh, they did that. The, the, the results may not have been too shockingly different, but I think, <clears throat> excuse me, that uh, they did, um, I think they were performance-wise a little bit uh, further ahead. It, it just seemed that... Uh, 
once that uh, that first win came that um, at, at Austria for Max Verstappen, because he really was uh, worlds uh, better than anybody that day. That combination of Max, the Red Bull, and the Honda was just uh, it was the combination uh, uh, to have. But it, I, I think it just uh, really. I think it was important uh, for Honda, of course, because I mean they'd uh, been through, very, like I say, some very difficult uh, times with uh, with McLaren previously, and I was kind of wondering, well, how long are they going to stick in Formula One uh, this time around? If uh, you know they're they're not going to be winning races, so I think it was important to get the podiums that they did, to get the wins that they did, and uh, just uh, also off the track, just the relationship that they have with uh, with uh, with uh, Red Bull, and just that uh, this is a very much a, more of a, a working partnership uh, than before. It sounds like there's a real um, teamwork and and uh, uh, what do you want to call that? Maybe a design uh, and brain power that goes into really integrating that power unit with the Red Bull chassis. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they can do moving into this year, the second year of the partnership uh, together. But, uh, you know, it, it is, um, they they do have to be that, uh, the, the, you know, like they say, their ability to hit their engine targets uh, this season was the key to uh, building the mutual trust with uh, with Red Bull. And uh, absolutely, because um, uh, Masashi Yamamoto, he's a Honda's uh, F1 managing director. He told motorsport.com, quote, we have a regular meetings with Red Bull, uh, Christian Horner and Helmut Marko, myself and Sakura R&D Yasuki Asaki-san. And uh, there we share our plans in the current situation as well. They share their plan and current position. The fact is uh, almost on schedule as planned is very important because we have mutual trust in each other, which makes the relationship stronger. We are really looking forward to next year. And yeah, that trust that they have uh, between the two of them, like I say, I mean, the, the, just the relationship that they have between the manufacturer and between the engine supplier, it uh, it is much more harmonious than it was with, uh, than, uh, than it was with Red Bull and uh, Renault. I mean, you can just go back to 2018 when Max had, uh, you know, his engine let go in Hungary and just the expletive laced uh, tirade that he had on uh, over the race radio really, I think, was uh, was very uh, telling. But, and again, I think that was uh, it was interesting, too, because out of um, the, the, the major players at Red Bull, I mean, uh, Max had uh, he had some things to say here and there. I mean, Max, uh, I mean, he's fairly outspoken. Uh, as I was saying just now, um, Horner has been very vocal about uh, Renault over the years years or you know, prior to uh, 2019. And uh, out of all of that, uh, Danny Ricardo, he never really did it, you know, had anything negative uh, that I recall him saying about uh, Renault. And I think that uh, was uh, partially very smart on his behalf. Uh, you know, he didn't burn any bridges and left that opportunity open for him to go, um, uh, I think, to Renault. Who knows that uh, perhaps the discussions have been going on longer than we had uh, suspected. Anyways, uh, just uh, Honda, uh, sticking with Honda, they said uh, they are no longer losing any time to clean up work. So that uh, goes in uh, line with uh, you know, them hitting their engine targets and building that trust and that uh, improving that relationship uh, with, uh, with, uh, with Red Bull. And, um, and uh, Toyoharu Tanabe, who's uh, Honda's technical uh, director, he said, uh, quote, I believe we have learned what is a priority for qualifying or how to win a race. I'm asking Sakura on the Japan side to focus on some key points to improve. We have learned a lot. On the other hand, reliability is not perfect enough this year, but our reliability is getting much better since last year. It means we can develop positive items, not countermeasure test or bench test. We spent a lot of time on something that was a cleanup test before. Now we can put in more time to improve our performance. Then I think we can 
uh, think about the more detail with each, each area. And true, if, uh, I mean, you're struggling with the uh, problems and, uh, you know, you've had some uh, mechanical failure, you have to go back and figure out why it happened and then, uh, you know, solve that problem, all the, uh, the, the time and effort and the testing you have to put in that to solve that problem. You can understand why that might uh, delay other areas, why, uh, where they're moving forward, when other areas that they want to develop things. So you can understand, uh, why that, uh, is important uh, for them to get that out of the way. And, uh, of course that will smooth things out, uh, for development, um, of the, uh, the engine and the, and move the program forward as a whole. Anyway, so sticking with Red Bull, Alex Albon says he was almost back at square one after being called up, uh, to Red Bull halfway through the season to replace, uh, Pierre Gasly in, uh, 2019. And of course, uh, he hung around for the last nine races of the year. And I think that Alex Albon did an exceptionally good job, uh, being, uh, swapped around for, uh, Pierre Gasly, uh, going from Toro Rosso to Red Bull and, uh, Gasly from Red Red Bull back to Toro Rosso. It can never be easy uh, to do something like that. And uh, obviously Red Bull, they do have the benefit of having uh, the senior team and a development team in Toro Rosso or Alpha Tauri or whatever they're calling it for, for next year. But they do also have that history. That this is not the first time that the, this has happened. Look, go back a, a couple of years when uh, Max Verstappen and uh, Danny Kvyat were swapped out, and that that worked out uh, fantastically well for Max Verstappen in uh, 2016. Won his first race in uh, in Formula One uh, or uh, with Red Bull at uh, the, the Spanish Grand Prix that year. But it was a rough start uh, for for Danny Kvyat. That looked like I don't think he ever really showed that he was going to be uh, like a top driver, but I think uh, he'd uh, obviously worked his way up uh, through the Red Bull uh, organization to be the number two guy at uh, at Red Bull. And well, that, that year, I just uh, unfortunately remember him driving into Sebastian Vettel probably more times than uh, he should have in uh, that Russian Grand Prix at Sochi. That was uh, the last draw driving into Sebastian Vettel. And uh, I can't remember if it was the opening lap, but it was definitely the, the, the beginning of the race. And then what was after that, uh, they swapped around and uh, you know, Max uh, went up to Red Bull and has uh, never really looked back since. So they do have that uh, that that history, and you could just kind of tell that uh, Gasly may not be, you know, maybe a square peg in a round hole. Maybe that's more to the more to the point. I mean, he got there last year for winter testing. Uh, I think he had an accident with a car, and then that really uh, limited what they could do in the one of the testing sessions, and uh, you know that became a bit of a drain on things. But he never really settled in. I think that's uh, the, the the best way to put it. He can never really find his feet at Red Bull as uh, you know he did at uh, Toro Rosso and uh, the, the the job that he'd uh, done there before. So it was disappointing for them. I mean, Max was very solid last year. I mean, winning several races, all the podiums and doing all the things that Max Verstappen does. And uh, with with uh, Ferrari struggling and the, the, the fact that, um, that uh, Gasly wasn't able to deliver the points on a consistent basis in that first uh, half of the season, um, really, I think, uh, sealed the deal uh, for him uh, in, in the long run. And uh, I still uh, wonder that uh, had Gasly been able to, to, to get it done in the, the, the first half of the year, whether or not uh, they might have been able to uh, finish uh, ahead of Ferrari in the Constructors' Championship. Of course, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty and all that sort of stuff. But uh, you have to like uh, you have to ask that question. I think uh, that had a lot to, to do with it. But anyways, I mean, Albon, uh, to his credit, has uh, done a, a very, very 
very good uh, you know job in the first nine races that he had in Formula One. Uh, sorry, with um, with Red Bull, uh, not just in Formula One, but those uh, you know that that latter half of uh, 2019. But uh, you know, it can't be easy. And he had to say that uh, he he was for, more familiar with Formula One, at least uh, environment wise, uh, as he put it. And uh, he said that it wasn't a normal year for him because uh, you know he was learning a lot a lot of um, you know about how Formula One is, how it operates with uh, Toro Rosso, and then all of a sudden that that was changed uh, or changed when he was uh, moved up uh, to Red Bull. It was almost like starting over again, but. You know, that being said, I think that uh, he did very, very well. I mean, uh, this is a guy that, uh, you know, to, to be quite honest, I hadn't didn't really know a lot about him uh, before he uh, came into Formula One last year. But I mean, I, I think that he's shown that he's a very capable driver. I mean, nine races, of course, in, in, in a team like Red Bull. It is a fairly small sample size, but I think from what he demonstrated during that time that uh, that he acquitted himself very uh, very well, and you can see why the team has uh, decided to keep him around for 2020. And uh, I, I wish him all the luck. And uh, it uh, it'll be another one of those fun situations uh, to watch. You know, what was it a bit of a flash in the pan, or you know, is is Alex Albon a legit uh, Formula One driver? I, I think you know, honestly, it's the latter, not the former. I think the guy guy is legit but you know to, to be fair we, we have to see him do it over a longer period of time rather than just the the, the last uh, you know nine races of his season when he was obviously auditioning for that uh, you know that uh, that seat for for 2020 so you know best of luck to him and uh, we'll watch that throughout uh, this season anyway so uh, just uh, sticking with uh, with uh, Max Verstappen uh, a little bit uh, or with Red Bull and Alex Albon and Max Verstappen. Let's throw them all into the mix here. Um, they, they do uh, believe, or, or Alex uh, believes, that having a teammate like uh, Max Verstappen and as strong and good of a driver is a, a good way to uh, speed up the learning process uh, as he uh, has. So, anyways, um, uh, over the last uh, nine races of the season, Alex Albon scored 76 points uh, compared to 97 uh, for Max, which I think is very, very good. I mean, the one way to really compare how you're doing is uh, to measure yourself up against a uh, your teammate. Now, Max, who's been with Red Bull for uh, several seasons now, 97 points uh, over nine races compared to 76 for a guy that's just come into the team. I think that's that's really good for for Alex Albon. And I think that uh, when you have a guy like uh, Max in your team, I mean, a very strong personality, very strong driver, that, um, you know, I, I think that's a, a good guy. And, a, you know, s- similar in age as well. I mean, um, they're both in their early 20s. So, I mean, uh, to, to have a guy like that, uh, you, you can see why it would be uh you know good to, to have a teammate like that uh, for Alex Albon who had to say quote I think everyone knows he's quick everyone knows who he is and yeah it's no different for me I appreciate how quick he is and it's good for me I feel like the what better way to learn and to prepare myself than uh, pretty much one of if not the fastest driver on the grid I think it's a good way to speed up the learning process process and I see that as a positive I see it as a good thing and a goal to chase to, and to close the gap that's what I want for me it's a good thing because of his reputation I see it as a way that I can show myself and prove myself yeah I mean if you're in a team uh, that where you're lining up against uh, Max Verstappen uh, you know on the other side of the garage I think that's uh, you know a good uh, yardstick and a good uh, you know a, a good uh, guy to uh, challenge yourself again anyways time for one 
final break uh, on the show tonight, and then uh, we're going to start uh, closing it down. But uh, before we do that, we do have a, a little bit more uh, news about uh, Max Verstappen. Anyways, don't go away. We'll be back in just one moment. All right, welcome back to the show. And yes, one final topic about uh, Max Verstappen. And I kind of like this one, you know, Max, you know, he's not really uh, afraid to say what's on his mind. And he says, inconsistent Formula One stewards are a lot like soccer referees. And uh, anybody that's a hardcore soccer fan like myself and a hardcore Formula One fan uh, might uh, appreciate this comment uh, maybe more than some other people. But anyways, I'm just going to lay it out there. And uh, Max says that uh, he doesn't like... uh, or he says this, the way that stewarding in, in Formula One is very much the, the same as a refereeing in uh, soccer because uh, personal interpretation will always uh, play a big role in how they uh, make uh, decisions. And I think that's uh, you know very good. And uh, Verstappen had to tell motorsport.com, uh, this thing is, it's the same in football, isn't it? You have different refs and somehow uh, some give a yellow card easier than others. It's the same like that. But of course, you know, it's a rule book, but still then the stewards have a little bit of say of what you're actually going going to apply. And that's true, right? I mean, uh, if you look at uh, sometimes uh, what happens, and I mean, I know that uh, they seem to change the, the, the stewards up all the time for different races, but you know, I mean, that can be a good thing and a bad thing uh, maybe to get to, because I mean, they, they, they have a good mix. I mean, sometimes you have some very experienced uh, retired drivers in the mix, uh, as well as uh, you have Michael Massey, who is the, uh, the, the, the chief steward and um, you know, but you know, they're always going to look at it in a certain way. And sometimes I, I find it interesting, uh, though, the way that they do it. Uh, sometimes they're very quick to come to a decision. And then sometimes uh, when it comes to uh, some other decisions, which you think uh, are pretty cut and dry, it seems like it takes a long time for them to get uh, something out there. And uh, sometimes they say they're not going to rule on it till after the race. But the thing is, uh, when it comes to switching up the stewards uh, from race to race, I sometimes question is, uh, although it's good to get uh, input from different uh, people and kind of maybe change a, a couple of positions up here from uh, from time to time or race to race, you know, that I, I can see how, uh, you know, that has a bit of freshness to it. But at the same time, if there's too much uh, of that, maybe that's uh, not the ideal situation because, uh, you know, if there's, there, there's too many different people in there, it's changing up every week, then, you know, the it's going to be difficult for people to know, okay, well, what are they going to call, you know, where are they going to lean on this sort of thing? I think that it leaves a little bit uh, too much open uh, to, uh, uh, you know, like uh, Max was saying, personal interpretation and then uh, expectations, uh, you know, uh, you know, what might've gone uh, the, the race previous maybe might not go with, uh, you know, who's one of the stewards uh, at the race, uh, you know, the, at the track we're at uh, the, this weekend. So, I mean, it is a kind of, um, I can see how it could be frustrating. I think it'd be frustrating for drivers, for fans, for everyone, just knowing uh, how things may or may not uh, be called when it comes to uh, those sorts of things. Anyways, uh, let's uh, talk a little bit now about uh, McLaren. We've sort of been uh, touching on them uh, a little bit uh, throughout uh, the show here and there. And they've been through um, a restructuring over the the, the past uh, couple of weeks. And uh, apparently there has been a, a reshuffle in the uh, their, their staff here, the senior uh, staff in preparation for 
for the, the 2020 season. And uh, it has uh, been uh, divulged that um, uh, uh, engineering chief Andrea Stella has now been uh, promoted to, to racing uh, director. And this was a uh, position that was uh, previously held by uh, Andreas uh, Seidel, who's the uh, the team principal. And he'd been uh, taking that, that seat uh, in a sort of an interim uh, period until he could make a decision on uh, who was going to take that uh, that that job uh, uh, permanently. So uh, Stella uh, is going to be the fellow that's going to uh, have the position uh, uh, moving forward. And this is just a uh, you know the latest step in uh, the uh, the ongoing um, process, if you want to call it that, at uh, McLaren that has been ongoing for uh, for uh, you know quite a long time now. But uh, as uh, I've you know I've uh, you know said quite a few times over uh, you know the past several months, uh, you know how impressed I've been with uh, you know the work that uh, Zach Brown uh, has done to put key p- uh, people in in uh, key uh, positions, and uh, this is just the uh, the, the, the latest uh, example uh, of that. So, anyways, uh, Stella will uh, work closely with the uh, technical uh, director James Key, who came over from Toro Rosso last year, to make sure that there's a, a good uh, correlation between uh, track performance and uh, technical uh, d- developments. And um, so, there you go. Uh, the the uh, the uh, the journey at McLaren continues. They're they're still working to uh, to improve things, and uh, you know it, it it really makes me wonder where this uh, story is going to end. Uh, was fourth in the world championship? Uh, you know, is, is that as high as they're going to get? Or are they going to keep marching up through the tables? And it would be great to see another team crack that uh, that that uh, elite three teams of Mercedes, Ferrari, and Red Bull. And uh, McLaren have uh, proved in the past that they've been uh, one of the big boys in uh, Formula One and uh, one of the teams that's um, you know got quite a storied history, obviously. And uh, it'd be kind of cool to, to make the, or see them make it uh, back up there. Anyways, uh, sticking with, uh, with McLaren, uh, contract stability has allowed Carlos Sainz uh, to be what he calls a new Carlos. And uh, I think he had a very, very good uh, year uh, with them uh, last year. And, you know, to be quite honest, uh, I wouldn't say I was skeptical, but I was I was really watching uh, that situation that uh, with McLaren last year with the pairing of Lando Norris and uh, and Carlos Sainz because you know I mean Carlos is still a fairly young driver, but I mean he'd never really been with uh, what I call I, I still con- uh, consider McLaren a top team. Uh, they might not be in the top team right now, but uh, I mean they have. I think all the, uh, they've got the pedigree. I think they've got the resources. I think they've got everything behind them to be a top team. So I was a little bit surprised. I mean, uh, when, when they announced that they were going to go with the lineup uh, of uh, Lando Norris and, and Carlos Sainz, I, I just knew that they were going to go uh, with uh, with Lando because, I mean, if you go back to, to 2018, even a third or so of the way through the season when uh, things weren't going all that great at Toro Rosso uh, with uh, Brendan Hartley and uh, Franz Tosted uh, thrown out uh, and saying things that, you know, they wanted to sign. Uh, Lando Norris on loan, uh, basically, uh, you know, get his service uh, under contract on temporary basis for the remainder of 2018 and all 2019. And uh, Zach Brown uh, came out and flatly said, no, it's not going to happen. So he just kind of knew right then and there, well, I mean, if they're not going to let him go there, even for the, uh, you know, like the half a season or two thirds of a season for Toro Rosso, he knew that something uh, must uh, must be up. But still having a young guy like uh, Norris uh, and and then a a guy like a a younger driver, you know, another young driver in Carlos Sainz that hadn't, uh, you know, uh, been with a a big team uh, before, I I wouldn't say it was a a risk. Well, I'm... Obviously, it is to a, to a certain extent, but it was a, a situation I was really keeping uh, quite a, a, an eye on there. But he, uh, Science, of course, uh, joined uh, 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 McLaren last year, and uh, it's 
it was, I think, a good uh, season for him. I think uh, all credit to them. I mean, uh, the, the the pairing of Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris between the the, the pair of them managed to get uh, McLaren fourth in the the constructors' uh, championship. In the end, I think that's a, a a remarkable and a very good uh, achievement. Anyways, um, Sainz had to say this quote: "I think that this is stability." He's referring to his contract. Uh, I think the stability has given me a chance to show a bit of a new Carlos that maybe the paddock in general, or maybe or many people hadn't seen. I knew that was inside. I just needed the right environment, I guess, and the right mindset. And that uh, that, that really is true. I mean, you look at uh, some people, uh, and, and I think this goes for for all uh, walks of life. I mean, uh, not necessarily just a Formula One, but, you know, you can have uh, people that maybe struggle in one situation or another, but, you know, it just uh, really comes down to the environment, uh, you know, the, that, that you're working in. And, uh, you know, it, it can be it can be a good company, a good place for somebody to be at, but you go, you know, they just, you know, you know, just you, you don't quite really find your mojo there, for lack of a, a, a better term. But then you move on to a situation, another situation, and uh, and then things just go that much better. And that, you know, personally, that's a situation I can uh, identify with. And uh, obviously, Carlos Sainz uh, feels the same way. Good for him. It was a, a good season for him in uh, 2019, and hopefully he can carry it through uh, to, to 2020. Now, sticking with uh, McLaren for a, a little while longer, uh, Lando Norris feels he was, quote, too jokey at times in uh, 2019. So (laughs) that's an interesting quote. Anyways, he had uh, 49 points and was 11th in the the constructor, or sorry, the driver's championship. Uh, But I mean, he he did uh, run pretty uh, uh, close to, um, uh, you know, his teammate, uh, Carlos Sainz. He had 47 more points in uh, in six, uh, which was good for six in the world championship. But uh, I I think that they, um, you know, together they did very good. But I mean, still, I mean, 49 points, 11th in the world championship. I don't think that's a, a bad result for a young guy like uh, Lando Norris. I think he he really showed what he was about. I mean, you look at uh, the the way that he finished the, the the French Grand Prix. He had a good race, and then uh, was hit. I think it was with a hydraulic uh, failure several laps uh, from the end, uh, but was still able to manhandle the the, the car home. And uh, I, I think that was a, a really good. Uh, you know, I, I can't remember now if he f- managed to get ninth or tenth in that uh, race, or if he just finished in maybe just outside of the points. The, the the fact is that regardless if he ended up with points or not, was that uh, he was able to, to to bring the car home. He didn't give up. Uh, he, he fought it out. And I, I think that uh, really, uh, you know, f- for me, that really made a good impression uh, on me. And uh, you know, I, I really, uh, you know, admired him for sticking with it. Anyways, uh, Lando had to say, quote, in some ways, I think I've been almost too relaxed and had too much fun. When it's become more serious, I haven't focused as much, uh, focused as, much as I should do and so on and worked in on as many areas as I should do. I think I start to take it a little bit for granted. It's been good. I've been able to have uh, fun in my first season. I've not just come in and been surrounded by too many serious things and people. At the same time, I think that's also helped in my ability to work on several things and improve as a driver. And yeah, well, I mean, maybe he feels he was too, too jokey, but I think also maybe that's a, you know, maybe a bit of a maturity thing, you know, a young guy coming in for his first season. I think maybe uh, looking at it and having the, the time to reflect, uh, you know, after the season is over, I, I think that's, uh, you know, I think that's a good thing for him to maybe uh, realize and reflect on and, uh, you know, maybe realize or if he thinks that he can focus more and take it a little bit uh, more serious that, uh, that that might help his, uh, you know, his uh, what he achieves. 
in um, in Formula One in, in in 2020. I think we're still going to see a lot of good things uh, from Lando Norris. Like I say, I mean, uh, I, th- I think I think eleventh was a good result for him. But if he thinks he can do better, if he thinks that he should be more focused, then I think that's uh, something he's going to use uh, to motivate himself uh, for 2020. And I think that would uh, be a good thing. Okay, well, just a couple more things before we close it down here. We're just going to stick with um, uh, Alfa Romeo here uh, really uh, quickly. But uh, Antonio Giovinazzi has uh, been uh, revealed, uh, almost lost his uh, seat with Alfa Romeo after his crash at the uh, the, the Belgian Grand Prix. And this uh, comes from uh, team principal uh, Frederick Vasseur. So he had a bit of a tough start to his uh, full debut season in uh, Formula One. I mean, we'd seen him a couple of years uh, previously getting some races in for what was Sauber at the time. But this was his uh, his first uh, full season in Formula One. Uh, and he was a teammate uh, to Kimi Raikkonen in, uh, with, with Alfa Romeo. Anyway, so Giovinazzi crashed out on the second to last lap in uh, Spa and that, that really put extra pressure on him to keep his seat uh, for 2020 because honestly I thought that uh, Alfa Romeo might be uh, a possibility for for Nico Hulkenberg. I mean, uh, once uh, uh, Renault announced that Esteban Ocon was going to be coming in to, to partner up with Danny Ricardo for 2020 uh, that um, uh, Hulkenberg was a little bit on the, uh, I guess, the musical chairs for where he might end up in uh, Alfa Romeo seemed like a it seemed like a reasonable destination for him like well you know similar sort of team compared to Renault but uh, obviously it didn't work out anyways uh, Vassar had to say quote it was a crash at Spa it was a big shock for everyone in the team because it was a good opportunity Antonio came back from nowhere and on one of the last laps he had the crash we had a tough discussion with Antonio because these kind of things can decide your career we were thinking about the future we had to sit down the week after and we had to discuss about the situation and he had a very good uh, reaction so there you go sometimes goes to show you just uh, how fickle and how uh, small the more uh, margins are in um, in uh, in in Formula One. Anyways, uh, sticking with uh, with Alfa Romeo, Robert Kubica, formerly of uh, Williams, has been confirmed as uh, Alfa's reserve driver for 2020. And this also comes on the uh, the, the heels of the announcement that uh, Polish petroleum company Orlin is uh, becoming co-title sponsor on a, a multi-year deal. And the, the team is going to be uh, rebranded next year for Alfa Romeo Racing Orlin. So it's getting a bit of a mouthful, but uh, so you can see there's a bit of a tie in there. But um, it, it's interesting, too, because Kubica um, uh, <laughs> had a tough year with Williams last year. I mean, so did his uh, teammate, uh, George Russell. Kubica uh, and, and Russell were several seconds off of the pace each and every uh, race. Kubica uh, uh, was even uh, you know slower compared to his teammate. But by the time it was all said and done, he did snag the only point of the entire uh, 2019 season for Williams. But uh, even so, he was uh, reportedly courted by uh, other teams, including Haas and all also, um, he was also uh, linked with uh, maybe a move uh, to DTM as well. So anyways, he's coming back as a reserve driver for um, Alfa Romeo. I think that's uh, probably a good place uh, for him to be. I mean, it's uh, it's a bit of a tough thing. Obviously, the guy had a horrible, horrible accident in, uh, in rally racing back in uh, 2011, almost lost his arm. So I mean, even to get back into Formula One, uh, even in the, the, the role of a reserve driver is uh, amazing. But it is disappointing to, uh, you know, the, the 
the, the year that he had with Williams. I mean, a lot of people, uh, I think, were looking at him and maybe that just he just doesn't have the strength or the conditioning, you know, just because of the, you know, the uh, the aftermath of that accident uh, and, you know, just the, the, the strength or the lack maybe thereof or perceived lack of strength or conditioning in in that right arm. But still, I mean, the, the, the Williams, the car last year was terrible. So, you know, it's not really fair to, uh, you know, maybe put it down to one thing or another. I mean, uh, George Russell, I mean, uh, he's another guy that's uh, highly touted and, uh, you know, supposed to be quite a talented young driver as well. But, you know, when we were driving around a car that isn't the greatest, it's a, uh, it's a bit uh, difficult to, to really put a true measure on, uh, on somebody uh, and where they really are. Anyways, uh, Kubica had to say that a tough 2019 season was worth it to close a chapter as he uh, called it. And uh, he said, quote, I was kind of split, honestly. And I think by coming back to Formula One, I closed a chapter, which was probably the most important one from my life. Looking where I was, looking at the period I went through with the circumstances of what happened and what the consequence was of the accident in 2011. Then, of course, once you're back in F1, you reopen or continue the chapter, which is Formula One, which is probably a difficult one to talk because the season has been very complicated. You live for achieving and coming back to Formula One, and I want to do good in races, and I want to deliver. You want to be in racing, and this is something which I think I miss most this year. Anyways, so there you go. I, I think that's a, a good way. And also, uh, you know, if uh, Kubica is talking about uh, closing a chapter, I think that's uh, where we'll close the chapter on this show as well. And I uh, we look forward to coming back uh, this week. This is going to be our fifth season covering Formula One. 2016 was our first year. 2020 is going to be our fifth. So uh, look forward to talking about Formula One, not uh, just uh, this week and next week, but all season long. And so we'll leave it at that. So if you want to get in touch with me, easiest way is on Twitter at ScuderiaF1Pod or via email at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com. Get in touch. Love the feedback, comments, uh, any questions you might have, send them our way. And uh, we'll always get back to you one way or another. Anyways, that is a wrap for me. Thank you very much uh, for listening. And we'll talk to you again this time next week. Ciao. for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.